So we are in week six of a teaching series together called Holy Maths. And a reminder to you that we're spending most of this term looking at that one passage together. We're zooming in on that section that John has just read for us again today. And the big idea is that in this passage, Peter introduces us to some simple maths for faith. Some simple addition where he describes aspects of our character and faith that are to be added to to help us live as disciples. Hence the series title, Holy Maths. Now, I know many of you have been enjoying our weekly Bible maths joke. Why did I ever start that? And I shall never do it ever again in any series ever. But thank you to those of you who have said to me that you've appreciated my jokes more than Roger's. (laughs) Do you know what, Roger? No one actually said that, but I think it's true. (laughs) And uh, thank you to those of you who have emailed in with jokes and messaged me with jokes of your own. (laughs) This one was sent to me by someone in our church family. Even though the Bible says Noah was a righteous man, he couldn't stay on the straight and narrow. He travelled in an ark. I promise I will never do this ever again. Good. So let's look at 2 Peter 1 together. Let's look at the middle section, uh, verses 5 to 8 here, where Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith. Okay, he says, holy maths, add these things to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, um, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So Peter builds up this equation for a fruitful Christian life. If you add these things, that will equal effective and productive knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we've looked so far in previous weeks at faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control and perseverance. And today we're thinking about godliness, adding godliness to our faith to help us to be effective disciples of Jesus. Godliness, which is great. It's a lovely word. I want to be more godly. But what does godliness actually mean? Godliness feels like a slippery word, really. It's quite hard to pin down. What was Peter meaning by the word? What does it look like for us to be godly people? Now, I'd be interested to know what comes to mind for you when you think of a a godly person or someone who demonstrates godliness. Now, there are too many of us here today to kind of shout out, probably, or to pass a mic round, or we might do sometimes in a smaller gathering. So I'm going to invite you to take part just for two minutes in a simple exercise if you have a mobile phone or a tablet with you. And this is using um, Slido, which gives the chance to share responses together on the screen. So don't worry if you haven't got a phone or if you don't want to take part. I think up to 100 devices can take part, so hurry up. Um, If you go to slido.com, put in that number, you will see a question that says, what comes to your mind when you think of the word godliness, okay? Now, please don't put whole sentences in, because we're trying to make a word cloud, just a a phrase, a sentence, just a a word or or two-word phrase or something. And the idea is that as you add, and you can add as many as you like, the sorts of things that come to mind when you uh, think of the word godliness, a collective word cloud will develop, So we're going to start that word cloud, and it's all anonymous, although don't be rude, Um, and hopefully now we'll start to see the word cloud come together as you start to put your phrases or words in. What comes to mind, or well done everybody, good start. Keep going, and like I say, you can put in as many as you like. Mark Blaney, who put that? (laughs) 
And you'll notice that if people put multiple words, they get bigger. So uh, more than one person, a few people have put loving or kindness or wise. I'll give you another, another bit of time to do that. <laughs> Can people stop putting Mark Blaney? Because he's quite humble and it won't help him. <laughs> Honestly, church, I can know I can trust you. <laughs> Mark Blaney is out on the cameras, and who knows what he's going to do to me later. I'll give you 30 more seconds. And in a moment, we'll just zoom back in on it and have a look at the sorts of phrases that Mark Blaney represents in his life as a godly person. <laughs> What's interesting as this is happening is it shows you what a slippery word this is. How many different words that are coming to mind? Honesty, love, self-controlled, undivided heart, forgiving, passion, kindness, perfection, uh, wise, gentleness, pure in heart, God-centered, acts like Jesus, holy, set apart, reliable, honesty, righteousness, have uh, just take a look at that for a minute and then we'll hold those things as we explore this theme together. Loads of really helpful thoughts and it does describe what a broad concept godliness is in our minds. Thank you so much those who are helping me to do that. There are 16 references to godliness or being godly in the New Testament, and most of them occur in 1 Timothy and 2 Peter. Two letters, one written by Paul and one by Peter to Christians and to local church communities. Here are just three examples. One from earlier on in our passage today. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. 2 Peter 3, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. And then from 1 Timothy 4, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. So you pick up from these verses the sense of godly living, that godliness is about the lives we live as people who receive God's power, the kind of people that we're to be, uh, godly people, and that godliness is the thing that has eternal value. The Greek word that Peter uses is this word eusebia, which is pretty hard to translate. When I say godliness is a slippery word in English, borne out by all those variety of responses in our word cloud, it's, it's a pretty slippery word in Greek as well. It was a term used for authentic religion. It has a sense about it of looking in two directions at the same time. So worshipping God and honouring him, and also looking outwards and serving others and loving them at the same time. It, it carries a sense of duty to both God and to other people. There's a kind of inner and outer aspect to it, inner worship and outer action, living the kind of consistent life, both at home alone with God and out in the marketplace with others. And it probably makes sense that this quality comes after goodness, knowledge, self-control and perseverance, as they are all part of cultivating godliness in our lives, looking in two directions at once as we worship God and as we serve others. And as I've mulled on this concept of godliness, I've settled on a, a personal definition of my own. 
helped by some thinking and writing from an American pastor called Rich Velodas, who talks about this phrase. He talks about having a deeply formed life. And this seems to me to be a helpful understanding of what godliness looks like in a Christian believer. As we worship God and serve others, what the Lord wants for us is to have deeply formed, authentic lives of faith. When the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia, he says something quite powerful and quite raw when he shares with them his desires for them. If you look at this in Galatians 4, I find this fascinating. He says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Paul is a pastor And what he longs for is for people to have the life of Christ formed in them. And he feels it so strongly. He uses uses this metaphor of the the pains of childbirth, such as his anguish and his, his desire for them to be deeply formed in Christ. And there's a reminder from from Paul and from what we're reading um, in Peter that the Christian life, the godly life, it's not marked out by this kind of, this is all about going to heaven when we die. It's about having the very life of Jesus Christ formed in us right here, right now, for today and for all of our earthly days. Deeply formed lives don't happen overnight. Sometimes when people share their story of coming to faith, we can hear um, about dramatic and, and instant overnight changes. I know people have become Christians and overnight, for example, they have completely stopped smoking or, or stopped swearing overnight. The pastor that I worked with in a previous church baptised someone. And this guy um, uh, came to the church and he had had some really horrible demonic tattoos on his arm many years before. He had found Jesus and he really regretted them and he wanted to be baptised. And he was baptised like we do here, full immersion. Um, And as he went under the water and then out again, the tattoos completely disappeared. That's a great story, isn't it? We're baptising some people soon. I'm here for the power of God to be at work in supernatural ways. I'm all about that. God can work directly in our lives. I've seen it and I believe in it and we pray for it. But when we talk about deeply formed lives, God is at work in the instant sometimes, but very, very often we are deeply formed through day after day after day of quiet, godly obedience that leads to gradual change and transformation. The, the, the deeply formed life, the godly life, is about growing as a disciple of Jesus, step by step, in both directions, loving God, worshipping him, and loving and serving others. Now, this is a, a timely message in many ways for us here, because we as church leaders have been sensing God speaking to us about this theme. When I came back from my summer retreat break, I shared here on a Sunday and in a church meeting that I felt from the Lord that a focus for the next season for us was to think more deeply about connection, belonging and growing and about how we help each other in that. We have had a Leaders Away Day uh, last month at the beginning of October and it was great to spend a whole day together uh, um, chatting in prayer, thinking about church life together. And the theme for that day was looking at discipleship, thinking about uh, discipleship, pathway 
that means whoever comes through our doors here can get on a journey of belonging and growing in this church family. So that means people who don't have any faith at all, finding faith here, finding faith, being baptised and being established in that faith. It means for new people who find their way to us, getting connected quickly and hooked in quickly, looking again at membership and making sure that we help people in the best possible way to belong to us. And we will be talking more about membership and those themes in the coming months. For people, once they've connected, to then truly grow as disciples with deeply formed lives. This is something God is speaking to us about Please pray and join us in this journey of longing to be more deeply formed in Christ and helping others in that too. Now, the thing about being deeply formed and about godliness, meaning inward and outward discipleship, is just a reminder that we are all being discipled by something or someone. It's not that we are either being discipled by Jesus or it's neutral. Our culture is discipling us. As we scroll endlessly on social media, on our phones, we're being discipled. Or if we're watching 24-7 bad news, which makes us cynical and despairing, we're being discipled. Or if we spend all our spare time shopping or working out or whatever, our culture is very happy to disciple us if the Holy Spirit isn't. Now, of course, lots of those things aren't wrong in their own right. Of course they're not. But who is it or what is it that is shaping our character, our heart's desires and our decisions? I've shared before that Jesus had a very simple model for discipleship, which is this. Be, become, do. And before we share in communion together in a moment, I want just to share again briefly about this model that Jesus has for discipleship. Be with Jesus become like Jesus, do what Jesus did. That's it. This is how to have a deeply formed life. Be with Jesus. Godliness, Eusebia, this deeply formed life, that the pattern in the Gospels of the call of Jesus is not a call to get to heaven, but a call to come and follow him and to be his disciple. Mark 3 Verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. The best description of a disciple is an apprentice. In the first century, apprenticeship was to be with the rabbi, to sit at his feet and to learn from him. Be with Jesus. This is where it starts. Practicing the presence of God, hanging out with him in prayer. We have to start there. Jesus is the aim. He is the prize. He is the goal. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. In the first century, you didn't just spend time with your rabbi. The goal was to become like your rabbi. Discipleship to Jesus, growing in godliness, is about a reordering of our heart's desires, committing to and becoming more like Jesus. We talk here at CBC quite a lot about whole life discipleship. I hope you've heard us use that phrase if you've been coming for a little while, that we're called to follow Jesus in every area of our lives. That the purpose of Sundays, this, it's like the halftime team talk, that it equips us to go back out into our Monday to Saturday. And part of the reason for that is because the places that we're going to grow in godliness, to grow as Jesus followers, is not only or even nearly just about being tucked up here in our, in our church place is far from it. 
We're going to get deeply formed lives by being out and about in our everyday lives. That's where we're going to be transformed. Edwin and Lillian Harvey say this, which I think is brilliant. We think that conspicuous events, striking experiences, exalted moments have most to do with our character and capacity. We are wrong. Common days, monotonous days, wearisome paths, plain old tools and everyday clothes tell the real story. Good habits are not made on birthdays, nor Christian character at the new year. The workshop of character is everyday life. We are called to have deeply formed lives as disciples of Jesus. And it is in following him in the everyday that will have the most impact on us. Be with Jesus, start there. Become like Jesus in the daily work of transformation by being discipled by the Holy Spirit. And then do what Jesus did. Being a godly, deeply formed disciple isn't someone who just sits and listens and digests. Do you know what, church? I think we, the the church in general, including us, have a problem with consumer culture. That we're here just to receive and to get and to take and to be consumers. But actually being a deeply formed disciple is the opposite. It's about regurgitating what we've been given and giving it back. What we consume, we give back again. It's about a way of life, inward and outward. It's about sacrifice and it's about serving. That is how we grow deeply formed lives. It's about looking for opportunities in our frontline places to share stories of our faith with friends and colleagues. It's about serving the poor and praying for the sick, to work with integrity, to make life choices that honour Jesus. Dan Walker is a well-known TV presenter and Christian, and I don't know if any of you saw his interview in The Guardian last week. He's always very open about his faith. And he said this in The Guardian, the most important thing for me in terms of my faith is that it gives me a sense of perspective. When it comes to the job, I love it, but I'm not defined by my career. I'm led by what I call the Fs. The important Fs to me are family, friends, and faith. And the things that don't matter are fame, fortune and the froth that sometimes comes within the industry. He's trying to live a deeply formed life with the right priorities, making life choices based on his, his first calling, which is to follow Jesus. And that's what we're all called to do, not in media, most of us, but in our everyday, Monday to Saturday, frontline places, doing the things that Jesus did, making decisions with a framework of the Bible and our understanding of the gospel motivating us. I just think in this post-pandemic season, when we've all been disrupted so much, that Jesus is calling us back to simple, godly discipleship that will form us deeply. Come and be with me. Come and learn from me. Come and become like me. And then go and do the things I have done. And it is worth it. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. I am feeling this call to a deeply formed life. That is what I want my life to be about. We sense the Lord is calling us as a church to be a family that is filled with deeply formed disciples, wherever you are on the discipleship pathway journey, godliness inwards and outwards. Let's pray that God would help us to respond to that. And we'll do that over communion in just a moment, but the band will come back and let me pray. Let's pray.
just give you a moment to respond to what God might be saying to you this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come and disciple us? Lord, we long to have deeply formed lives that mean something, that stand against consumer culture, that make our lives count. And I pray that whoever we are and wherever we are on this journey, you would help us to want to be with you, to become like you and to do your work. We order our heart's desires, I pray, Holy Spirit. We commit ourselves to being discipled by you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.